Give you two funny highlights from the beach. Outside of there was a hundred funny stories, but uh, we introduced them to the ice cream man this year. The little truck that comes down the beach, uh, yeah, three dollars a push-up and three dollars a fudge sickle. So they see the ice cream truck, and you know, some of us grew up poor. We were told when the music was on, that meant they were out of ice cream. That means there's no ice cream, baby, and you just see them go by. But our little girls would, they ran up to the truck, and I said, say hey to the ice cream man. And Olivia goes, do not cry, because we will come back. And they, they had, we had ice cream for breakfast. We had ice cream in the middle of the day. We had screwballs, which was some type of pink sherbet with gum in the bottom. And they kept wanting this screwball. It was 8 o'clock in the morning. I said, baby, the guy with the truck's not here. There's nobody but birds on the beach. Nobody's here yet. And so we're sitting there a couple hours later. And then she goes, there he come. There he is. We have to go now. And so we go and walk and get the screwball and eat it. And one other small one. It's a little borderline, but we're an adult crowd. I'll share with you. So grandma bought us this wooden stick with a little net. And we're scooping up sand fleas and catching little minnows and stuff. And there were these two little crabs not a little, about that big. And they were doing their thing here, you know, and I've scooped them up and I said, look, girls, they're fighting. And they had their little hands like that. <laughs> Kelly said, they might not be fighting. <laughs> look, girls, there's ice cream man. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm modest. I t- <laughs> Bad crab. No, no, no. Uh. Anyway, there's a hundred more like that that happened. Y'all stand with me for the reading of God's word, please, this morning. Hebrews 10, 32 through 39. If you're there, say amen. Paul is writing to the Jews, the Messianic Jews as well as well as the Jews that did not yet believe. He said, Call to remember the former days in which after you were illuminated, that's to the saved, you endured a great flight of afflictions, partly while you were made a gazing stock by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them that were so used. You had compassion of me and my bonds, and you took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and more enduring substance. If you're writing notes in your Bible, write the word perspective there. Joyfully, you were spoiled, taken advantage of, stolen from, knowing that you have in heaven a better and more enduring substance. Cast not therefore away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, and after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Let me read this to you out of the message paraphrase, and then you may be seated. Remember the early days after you first saw the light. Those were the hard times. Kicked around in public, targets of every kind of abuse. Some days it was you, other days it was your friends. Some friends went to prison, but you stuck by them. If some enemies broke in and seized your goods, you let them go with a smile knowing they couldn't touch your real treasure. 
Nothing they did truly bothered you. And nothing they could do could set you back. And here it is. So don't throw it all away now. You were sure of yourselves then, and it's still a sure thing. But you need to stick it out, staying with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. It won't be long now. He's on the way. He'll show up most any minute. But anyone who is right with me thrives on loyal trust. If he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy. But we're not quitters who lose out. Oh, no. We stay with it and survive, trusting all the way. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. The word optimism comes from the word optimum, which means best. There are several different types, and I want to give you just a brief synopsis of secular ideas of optimism, uh, which really has no life in it at all. It's better than pessimism, but it cannot withstand true test. There's hereditary optimism. It's a positive life and worldview that some believe is passed down genetically. I don't believe in hereditary optimism, but I do find that if grandmama was a complainer and mama was a complainer, you're probably one as well. Situational optimism is a positive life and worldview based upon environment. It's easy to be an optimist when everything's working. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Dispositional optimism is a positive life and worldview based upon your personality and temperament. Some people are just not happy. And dispositional optimism is the people that they can just find the good in anything. You know, you remember Jeffrey Dahmer? Do you remember that horrible serial killer that buried everybody under his house? You find an optimist, a a dispositional optimist, and go, okay, what's positive about Jeffrey Dahmer? Uh, He was a homeowner. (laughs) That's not the optimism we're talking about. Decisional optimism is the one that's taught about. You'll find links on it in Facebook. It's under Zig Ziglar's page. Decisional optimism is one which the person wants to think, speak, and live with this bias, this slant, which again is better than pessimism, but it's not necessarily God-honoring. I want to talk to you about divine optimism this morning. And this is not self-help, and this is not feel-good. I want you to see revelationally, based on the Word of God, what this looks like. The Lord gave me this sitting on the beach, so it has to be good. All right. Divine optimism is the belief that God Almighty has a plan. He is working said plan, and He will without fail finish the plan. This positive life and worldview is brought into life by the Scriptures... It's focused on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's empowered by the Spirit and it's expressed by the believer that truly believes. I want to speak to you this morning for a few moments on the subject of divine optimism. We don't want to be divinely pessimistic. We want to be optimistic, which really is a firm, established faith and worldview that God's got it. Father, I thank you this morning. For the faith that you deposited in our heart through the Holy Scriptures. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that teaches us to trust and believe. I thank you for the rest that comes our way. And may our countenance show others that we believe. We are optimistic not about life. We're optimistic about God who is the author of our life. 
And I praise you for this opportunity and privilege that someone like me, unworthy and unnecessary, you chose to give me the opportunity to preach your word. And I am more humble today, Lord, than I've ever been before. Thank you for this privilege that's mine. Help me to speak with anointed words, words of clarity and power. May they go straight to the heart of everyone that believes. In Christ's name, amen. One other quick thing before I preach to you. And this is not flattery. Those that know me know I don't do flattery. I was inundated with people that told me what great ministry you brought, Drew, the last two weeks. Would you all honor him this morning? Good word. Anointed words. Divine optimism is perspective born by revelation. You need to write this down. It's perspective, not by cho- I'm choosing to be optimistic in the Christian faith. That doesn't last when the fire's turned up. This optimism, and you can write optimism or world and life view or perspective, is born by the facts, the illuminated facts of God's word in our life. A revelation of who God really is, a revelation of his authority, his intentions, his plans, his purposes in the world, and in our individual lives, perspective that is a result of faith, not education or intellect. It's not a mental ascension to facts. That's not what optimism is. Optimism, divine optimism, is not a a decision to be positive. I'm going to have a positive view. That's not what divine optimism is. Divine optimism is a perspective based upon scriptures, illuminated by the Holy Spirit, that lets me see God in everything, before everything, and after everything. God is the view. And when I see the words that say it is impossible for God to lie, then I can exercise that faith, that optimism in situations where it looks like God has forgotten or failed me. And that optimism is stronger than the reality I'm in saying, I don't care what it looks like, acts like, sounds like, smells like, or feels like. It is impossible for the Lord to lie. So if he spoke it, it will come to pass in my life. That's divine optimism. Perspective that is powerfully expressed in many ways. For me, divine optimism is like light in dark places. It's like water in dry places. It's like oil in tight and frictional places. It's like shade in desert places. And it's like the night that allows us to sleep in weary places. The Bible says that your faith is the victory that overcomes everything in the world. How you see things. How you see things. For the Christian, that means in God, overcomes everything. Every obstacle, every lack, every hindrance, every loss. When you have the perspective, the glasses, that bring into focus the things you cannot see. It's like putting on 3D glasses and you go, oh, I see it now. Oh, okay. Oh, I see now. That faith gives you the capacity and the power to navigate life issues where secular optimism will fade away. It'll it'll wear out. Our faith is not contingent upon a decision. It's contingent upon an illumination by the Spirit of God that quickens to us the Word of God which becomes knit with the fabric of our soul that makes us unmovable. I didn't say without weakness. I said unmovable. 
that God will find me, that God will finish, that God will protect, that God will provide. It expresses itself in many ways. And most of the time when your optimism is expressed, there's nobody around to see it. And then if you express it around some people, they think it's fake because you couldn't possibly have something they don't have. Oh, that was good then. That wasn't even in my notes. Number two, divine optimism is unmistakable in its effects. Unmistakable in its its effects. It gives us acute clarity in our spiritual uh, vision. Acute clarity. Do you remember when you went to the eye doctor and you didn't realize you were blind until you got there? You said, read that chart. What chart? The one on the wall. Which wall? You go, oh. Stand at this line. I remember it like this. Stand at this line. You got another line? Can I come up a little bit? What do you see? Nothing, nothing. Oh, E-A-2-5. And I was told how far off my vision was. You don't know you're blind until you realize you're blind. It's kind of like bad breath. You're the last one to know. I submitted myself over a decade ago to laser surgery. Now it's so far advanced. But I laid down in a chair and I got up. I was the kind of guy that couldn't see the signs on the interstate till you passed them. I don't know if that's nearsighted, farsighted. I couldn't see. And at night, I sure couldn't see. It'd be like, and there's my exit. One time I slammed on the brakes on the interstate. Slammed on the brakes. Swerved all across into the median and there were two people in the car with me, and they screamed. They said, what? I said, the planes, the airplanes. And what had happened was way up the street were some motorcycles that were staggered, and I thought it was the wings of an airplane. <laughs> and my buddy, Andy King, who will vouch for this story, hit me in the shoulder. He goes, I'm driving. You can't see. I thought an airplane had landed in the street. You'd be surprised how many Christians name the name of Jesus, have been water baptized, say that they are spirit-filled, and can't see, express truth in the Word of God. Can't see it. Won't. And and when you can't see, uh, motorcycles look like planes. And you're in big trouble when that happens. One of the servants of Elisha, in a time of, in the Old Testament, of great opposition, went out to get water for them and saw the armies gathered around their one tent. And the King James is kind of funny to me. It's very accurate, but it's funny how it's written. He went back in the tent, according to the King James Version, and said, Alas, Master, how shall we do? Well, for us it would have been, Hey, do you see this out here? And the sleepy prophet walked out and said this. He goes, Lord, open his eyes that he can see. And immediately the servant saw the mountains filled with horses that were on fire that did not burn up. Chariots on fire that did not burn up. And angels on fire that did not burn up above them. And he goes, go back to bed, man. Great. Dang, what's wrong? This is not an arrogance. 
This is not us trying to act out a certain way. It's when I understand that the angel of the Lord encampeth about him. It did not say Elisha saw him. It said he had a divine perspective that he was going to be there until God was done with him. And so he was saying, you do what you're going to do. And I'm going to believe that God's going to keep me until he's done with me. And when it's time to go, you can't keep me here. And until that time, I'm going to rest. Optimism, divine optimism gives you clarity in your spiritual vision. It keeps your heart clear of fear and worry and anxiety. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? It changes the atmosphere and environment where we find ourselves. It motivates us to persevere. It progressively makes us stronger and it matures us. Every time divine optimism is reaffirmed, it gets deeper and stronger. It becomes the concrete of your soul. Hey, listen to me. Don't try to get rid of your doubts. You'll hear Christians say, oh, don't, don't doubt. Don't, and I know what they're saying. Don't question. No, work through your doubts. Stand and believe. Let your doubts be right here. And when you work through them, they become, answered doubts become the concrete of your soul. The concrete of your soul is, I've been here. I've had this test before. Stand still and watch the salvation of the Lord happen in your life. It's progressive. It's progressive. Let me give you the verse. If you're taking notes, James 1. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet all types of trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or patience. And let patience have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. Some of us are, are without, we may say it or we may just think of you, wow, all of this over and over. It's strength training. So that you might be able to navigate through it the next time. And instead of worrying about your survival, you may be able to give a hand to somebody else that I've been here, done this. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Every progressive event and experience where divine optimism is tested, it becomes stronger and greater. I'll give you an example. King David, before he was a king, was watching his father's sheep and a lion came up and got one of the sheep. Now, I'm thinking, daddy got a lot of sheep. You know, we got two pregnant. They're going to have little sheeps before long. And what, what's one sheep, you know? That's what I would think. See, y'all don't want a real pastor. Y'all want one that'll, there goes that lamb. Here I go. I would have been like, uh, uh. but David, who was a type of a shepherd that was soon to come that would not let one of his sheep be taken. See, everything's connected. Everything's connected. David sees that one lamb and he believes in a God that he sings to on the hills of God's presence where no one else is around. And he believes that if he was given an assignment that God would protect him to fulfill the assignment, he takes the lion by his mane. I don't take a cat by the mane. Cats are crazy. I don't know. You, you, you have to move cats with your foot. You don't grab a cat. Or you introduce them to your dog. Uh, no. My dog loves cats. I'll tell you about it later. So imagine this little boy. Boy grabs the lion by his mane and kills him. So the next time a bear comes up and takes a lamb. What does he remember? The lion. Okay. Yeah. Yes. 
So he goes, oh, so here we are. I remember what he did last time. All right. He jumps on this bear and kills him. So his perspective is not, I'm great. I ought to start a ministry. Giant uh, uh, lion killer. I'm a bear killer. Here's my card. Here's my flyer. Have me at your church. He didn't start a ministry. He's becoming. So then one day he hears an uncircumcised Philistine mock the armies of God. He says, what shall be done to the guy that shuts him up? And they're like, shh, no, listen. Someone's got to shut this guy up. You're just a boy. And he said, when I was a little boy... One of my father's sheep was taken by a lamb and I grabbed him by its mane and I beat him with my bare hands. And another time a bear grabbed a lamb and I killed him with my hands. And I'm feeling the same thing right now against that Philistine that I fought a moment ago. And he took a piece of leather, picked up five stones, put one in the pouch. Commentators tell us Goliath had five brothers. So what he was saying is I got something for all your family too if you want something. So... He says, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And this divine optimism, watch. And I'm not pressing the issue. This is exactly what it means. It means that I am believing God to rule in this case according to his perfect will. He said, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And he threw that rock And it smote this man whose armor weighed more than David did. He fell to the ground. He took the sword out of his hand, chopped his head off. And you've heard me say this before. I submit to you that he shut up after that. Picked his head up and held it up. And the armies of Israel were energized. And David's belief system, when they witnessed the victory that he enjoyed, poured into them and these cowards routed the Philistine army. I'm telling you, it's powerful in its effects because when God brings you through one thing and brings you through the next thing, you have faith for the bigger thing. That's good. That's good. Number three, I feel like preaching. Y'all ought to send me to the beach. Every two weeks, send me to the beach and I'll come back. Drew's up for it. He's ready. Divine optimism is powerful in the spiritual realm. Now, I'm not going to expound on this, but I want you just to mentally take it in. I'm going to just read them to you because I don't have time to go into all of it. Divine optimism, which means that God is going to have the last say in this, honors the name of God. It catches the eye of God. It reaches the ear of God. It moves the heart of God. It opens the mouth of God, and it can even release the power of God. Do you remember through the New Testament when Jesus would speak and he'd said, if you've seen me, what? You've seen the Father. And he'd say, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. So it catches the eye of God. It catches the ear of God. And when he speaks over you, there's so much power infused in that. He speaks to barren wombs and says, you're going to have a baby. And what you're believing for, this divine optimism, you feel like a fool because you can't get believers to come around and believe with you. And the world mocks you and family thinks you're foolish. But I want you to hear this morning. I woke up this morning to tell you, your divine belief system has caught the eye of God. It's entered the ear of God. It's moving the heart of God. It's going to open the mouth of God. And it may even release the power of God in that situation. Divine optimism 
All right, this is going to get tight now. You already strap in. All right. You got to go to the other side. Is not, dis- is not dependent upon specific or desirable outcomes. Worldly optimism and carnal optimism says that if it turns out right, like the lion, I mean, the, the lion being killed and the bear being killed, and that's right, it's progressive. But worldly optimism says if those things don't happen, the desired outcome, the specific outcome, then I have no more optimism. I have no faith about it. Divine optimism stands firm and leaves God an out called his sovereignty. It's not backing down. It's not backing away. And some people will say if you mention God's sovereignty, you don't believe. You're mistaken and you're, you're reading myths and disinformation in the Word of God. Let me give you an example. There were three Hebrew boys in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 3. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the reigning monarch, if you will, in the world, set up a statue in the valley of Durham of himself over 100 foot high. And he commanded bands to play all during the day. And the edict was, wherever you were, when you heard the music, you hit your knees and you bowed in reverence and deference to this earthly God, if you will. The three Hebrew boys heard the music and they did not bow. How many Christians you know today, when it starts to cost, they bow, but they don't really act like they're bowing. Like, I'm just going to tie my shoes right now. I'm not really bowing. I'm just going to. And they blend in with the world because we don't want them to know at work that we're a Christian. We wouldn't want them to know that we're spirit-filled. We wouldn't want them to know that we're conservative or we believe. We, we, we just kind of bow at the world's music, but we say we're Christian. Well, these boys didn't bow. And they brought him before the king, and the king said, I'm going to give you one more chance. There's a fire set up. Some commentators said the flames were over 100 foot high. I'm thinking, I don't want to be on the committee that measures the flames. That's not a... How do you get a measurement? That looks about like 100 foot to me. I don't know how they measured it, but... It was hot enough that when the boys were thrown in, the guy that threw them in died instantly. So he said, I'm going to give you one more chance. Play the music. And these teenage boys said, ain't no need to play the music. And I want to quote it to you, one of my favorite verses. O king, small k. You'll find it in Daniel 3, small k. O king. We are not careful or hesitant to answer you in this manner. I, I, I can feel it already. Little boys, king, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from this. Oh, when you can point to a specific trial and say this burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Here it is, comma, not period. But if not, if something happens and we're thrown into this fire and we're consumed and we look like fools and our faith is not rewarded and it looks like God's asleep, let it be known unto you that we're still not going to bow down and serve your God. Divine optimism does not have to have its prayer answered the exact way it prays. We believe God to answer specifically, emphatically. But if for some reason he delays the answer or denies the answer, we leave him an out called sovereignty that says, you know more than I know and you would not withhold any good thing from those that walk uprightly. 
divine op- the earthly optimism says, say it. See it. Seize it. Well, what if you seize it and you still don't have it? Well, you didn't believe. That's what the modern charismatic says. Well, you didn't believe right. So Paul didn't believe. That's why he stayed in prison sometimes. He wrote the majority of the New Testament, but Paul didn't believe. I heard him say it. But you couldn't untie Paul's shoes. Sometimes Paul was delivered. Angels would come into the prison and do their thing, and the doors would open. He'd just walk out. Other times he was let out of a a window in a bucket. (laughs) Have you ever had a deliverance that didn't look so spiritual? They letting him down. How you doing? Don't let go. Don't let go. Let me down. Other times he was beaten chained to limestone walls in absolute darkness. And when given a chance to write through his chains, he said, please bring me a coat. No deliverance. What would Paul tell you? He said, hey, you got to believe. You got to stand. You have to trust. And if it doesn't look like it's working, give God the out of sovereignty, but never lose the confession of your faith. It is not, divine optimism is not dependent upon results. Heard a television minister not too long ago said, if, if God doesn't answer the way you prayed, you didn't pray right. Like, oh. Pray in faith, believing, and let God be God for you. Jesus was the perfect example. He said, Father, if there be any other way, I believe you can give me an out in the Garden of Gethsemane. But if not... He said, not my will, but yours be done. Paul exemplified this optimism on the, on the boat going to Rome in the middle of a cyclone. He said, but I believe the Lord. Your pastor has experienced things in his life where I'm telling you, I believed. I, I believed. I stood on this stage and made myself vulnerable and said, read my lips. I believe. And it did not happen like I believed. But my divine optimism wasn't wrong. And it left room for unanswered questions. Oh, and this isn't even in my notes, but I want to share it with you. One of the ways divine optimism shines the brightest is when you can look at someone and say, I don't know, but I still believe. Oh, no. I don't know why he still can't see. I pray for, I don't know. But I want to tell you that even if we go to the grave and he can't see, when we get to heaven, he's going to see the first clear thing will be the shape of the Son of God. And I will not stop believing. Divine optimism is power. It's strength. And this is critical because if you miss this, it becomes just a hyper charismatic, name it, preach it, claim it, believe it. But it might not happen like I believe. And I leave God room to say yes, no, or not now. Divine optimism sustains us in the wait. Is there anybody here? I don't mean a week or two. Please, I mean, you could apply to all of us. But you've been waiting years on something. I want you to slip your hand up and hold it. Just hold it. Years. Hold it up. There is nothing to me harder than waiting on something that I believe God has promised or spoken and I don't get it. I check my faith. I, I, I just, I, Lord, how? 
I would say, how much do you want me to pray it? What else do you want me to do? I remember one time telling the Lord, I'm not eating until you answer. I almost died. <laughs> I almost died. Weeks. I mean, I'm, I'm smelling food on people when they walk by me. I'm like, you ate at J&L's, didn't you? I can smell it on you. I'm, I'm needing food. But divine optimism sustains you in the wait. And let me tell you when divine optimism hurts. It hurts when it's unanswered. I remember the first time I heard myself say these words when people were telling me that I didn't believe or I had sin in my life and I wasn't praying correctly. My problem was not that I didn't believe. My problem was that I did believe. I didn't have no conflict. If I don't believe, I'm not disappointed. But divine optimism sustains you in the wait. You, you do not keep waiting because you're great or noble or you've got good character. I had someone tell me not too long ago, they said, I watched you online. I'm not part of your church, but I watched you online during that dark period of time. And I just want to tell you how proud. I said, stop, stop. I was not kept by my character. I was not kept by my will. I was not kept by, and I listed all these things. I said, I was kept by the power of God through faith. And I believe that if I stick with him in the wait, here's what David said. I'd almost fainted, which meant I was going down, but I waited to believe. I believed, so I waited. I waited to believe. I believed, so I waited. I waited to believe, and I believed, so I waited to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It keeps you going. Because if I don't have divine optimism, and I'm quoting some secular mantra, that's not going to keep you at 2.30 in the morning when sleep is hard to come by and you're groaning in your heart. Divine optimism says, I can wait one more day. I can wait one more day. If you would have hooked me up to a lie detector test on this stage seven years ago and said, will you even make it as a Christian? I would have told you no and passed the test. My mind said, there's no way. My emotions said, there's no way. But I am a believer. And even when I was too weak to believe that I could believe, there was a part of me where God had put something under my fifth rib that says, hang on, John. The new day is coming right around the corner. Right around the corner. And I don't know who that's for today, but you've got to believe. You've got to believe. It will sustain you. My divine optimism was this, even in my weakness, that God was too loving to be unkind, too powerful to be hindered, too current to be late, and too faithful to fail. And my optimism was birthed by faith, but it is made concrete by experience. We finished 20 years of ministry here in February. And if I've ever done anything by example, not preaching, not preaching, by example, I ought to be a commercial to you that when it's over, it ain't over. When it's over, it's not over. And divine optimism keeps you waiting until the goodness of the Lord finds you. God is so good that His goodness has to find you. Like water drawn to the lowest place, God's goodness. David said, I want to see His goodness. Notice he didn't say power. Because all power is not good, but God's goodness is powerful. He said, I'm believing that God can find me where I am. 
when you hear the word vacation or you see me bring my little girls up on the stage, you know, and you're, oh, that's cute. You don't understand. That was the most enjoyable vacation of my life. I'm 52 years old. I had more fun with my little girls on that beach than I have had in my entire life. You got to wait, baby. You got to hold on. Morning comes. Morning always comes with every loss, with every disappointment. It is that bad. But morning will come. And divine optimism is powerful enough to sustain you in the wait. They wrote me off. I had them stand in front of me on this floor and curse me and say, God has judged your life and that's why you have it. And I'm thinking, maybe he has. And I had mean people and cruel people. And sometimes people just don't even know what to say and they're backing off from you. But if you just wait, you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living in your life. Amen. Ben, if you'd come, please. The last two will go quickly. And can I tell you, I've enjoyed preaching this to you. Sometimes it's hard, but I've just enjoyed this. Divine optimism, and you need to take notes even if you're not a note taker. Write this down. It is never ashamed. It is never ashamed. It may be disappointed, but it is never ashamed. It may be opposed, but it's never ashamed. It may be mocked or disdained, but it's never ashamed. It may be shaken, but never ashamed. It may be buried, seemingly ignored or forgotten, but never ashamed. What does that mean? John, I feel shame. I'm waiting on uh, a life partner. I'm waiting on healing. I'm waiting on a restoration. And I, I feel ashamed. No, God speaks to the end of a thing. Do you know how embarrassing it was to pastor for five years and have people say, man, I really enjoyed today. Can I meet your wife? Uh, uh, I felt like I preached truly in a bathrobe every Sunday. God doesn't mean that we won't go through seasons where we feel unanswered and not ashamed. He said, when the deal is done, You will not be ashamed for believing in me. That's divine optimism. My faith does not keep me from the stuff. It keeps me in the stuff. In it. Watch the righteous. Watch the righteous. Watch the righteous. They'll fall seven times and they'll get back up again. Watch the righteous. Watch... Job bury his family, all his babies. I can't even, I can't even visit there. And God brings him back twice as many. And your pastor is going to tell you the other side of the nickel every time. Had you pulled him off to the side and said, would you rather have your original babies or the other twice as many? He may have said the original children. In this life, we're going to limp with some things but God makes all things beautiful in its time and my life is not supposed to be known by all that I've been kept from but by all I've been kept in and you get to the end of my life 
I promise, I want to look you in the eye. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. This section, I promise you. You may remember the tragedies and loss, but if you're honest, you'll say, that man is blessed. Blessed. Divine optimism is never ashamed. And finally, it's not only never ashamed, but it's always rewarded. (laughs) Let me read this to you out of Romans in the message. In alert expectancy... We are never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God is generously pouring into our life through the Holy Spirit. Did you see it in our text when I read it to open the passage to you this morning? Cast not therefore away your confidence, which has great recompense unto the reward. I remember several years ago standing on this stage and I heard myself say something that I didn't know. That happens when you're preaching. You'll say something and go, uh, if you ever see me say something and go, I heard it for the first time. It's like the Holy Spirit would just move something to you. And he whispered to me, the reward is in the confidence. So cast not therefore away your confidence. Because in the confidence is the reward. Go get it. Go get it back. And when you get the confidence back, you know that all I have now is the confidence. But in the confidence is the reward. That's why he said don't throw it away. Because if you throw it away, the reward's with it. And I don't know who that's for. All you got is your little confidence and you think nothing's happening, nothing's happening. It's in it. The reward is in the confidence. And God optimism is always rewarded. It may not reward you in the area where you believe. But the reward can't be contained. It's powerful. It's beautiful. Can I ask a favor? Would our worship team and our, our, our uh, ensemble come up, please, this morning? Just for a moment. Stay with me, though. Listen. I'm going to read this to you, and we're going to sing one song together. The reward is in the confidence. God said, don't throw your confidence away. Here's what it means. Everybody look this way. I want you to get this. Don't throw this away. Your bluntness about who God is. Your frankness. Your all-out spokenness, not an idea, spokenness. Faith that is unvocalized is only an opinion. Tell it. You believe God's going to give you a baby? Tell it. Fix the nursery before the baby comes. Tell it. Bluntness, frankness, all-out spokenness. Publicity. What does it mean to publicize? Get it out there. Publicize what you believe God is going to do. Say, I'm asking him for this, but I know that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask or what I'm asking for, or I think. Confidence, confidence. Knowing that Christ has the final word. Christ cannot be withstood. His kingdom will come. His will shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. And all things work together for the good of them who love God and are called according to His purpose. To the one who believes, to the one who believes, nothing eternal can be lost. We may lose a relationship. We may lose health. Is the Lord our healer? Yes, He is, but He doesn't heal you of old. There's nowhere in the Bible that says, I'm the Lord thy God and I heal you of old. 
I remember my papa was 96 years old, and they were saying they need to do all these things and all these operations, and he's got this. And I told the doctor, I said, with all due respect, he's 96. He's just old. He's just old. But optimism for us is always rewarded. It's always rewarded. And some of you are this close from the decree where God says, okay, that chapter has ended. And I'm about to make all things And when he says it, it goes from his mouth and the pieces come together. It's beautiful. My life is not what I thought it was going to look like. There are things missing. I would not swap my life for anybody I've ever met. That's the truth. Y'all know I just did my little back surgery in August. Got that worked out. Now my knee, something wrong with my knee. I don't know. They put a cortisone shot in it before the vacation and gave me steroids. I, I blew up like a cultured hog on those steroids and ate a couple dozen donuts, but that's different. And that's what I'm talking about. And my knee's like jacked up now. I don't know what's wrong with it. I'm like hobbling and, and we're limp. And you got to, and I'm saying this in brevity and, and uh, levity so you'll understand. It's not that we're without struggle. It's that I speak to the end of the optimum that God has his best in mind for me. And here's the last verse. And I know that all things, that, 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 that behind me, that all things are working together for my good. And when you have divine optimism, you don't get loud, you get confident. And when they try to talk you out of it, say, you can have anything but my confidence. Because inside of this confidence, there it is, the reward. I had a night vision last night. Maybe why I'm so energized today, I don't know. I had a prayer coming home in the car that was very personal with the Lord. And I dreamed last night that a window opened. And this song was playing. And there was blue skies with little white clouds. They weren't full of rain. It was, it was beautiful. And the, the light and the clouds and the blue was coming through the window to me. And in my night dream, I, I lifted my hands. And it was like it was when I first got saved. And I, I, I was just praying in tongues and I, I sensed his presence And I felt the Lord was confirming this word in such a way for you. And I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. But I believe this morning that a window has opened. I do. I believe it's opened. And if you have faith enough, now's the time you block John out of your mind. I am nothing but a, a delivery boy today. And when we sing this song and you say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. You're talking about this place. I believe and I'm believing the Lord to infuse us with life and light and power. Some are going to shout. Some are going to weep. Some are going to be perfectly still. Others are going to be animated. But I'm asking the Lord to fill us with his spirit on Pentecost Sunday. Divine optimism that God is who he said he is. So would you stand with us this morning and let's receive. Spirit.
in the church they always gave you an opportunity to respond publicly and I know a lot of people don't do that now let me tell you what it did for me it was a signature of vulnerability it means that there's a couple of you that know my story it's a couple of that know your stories. and I know they're watching and I am stepping out in front of men women and letting you know that I have received with meekness the engrafted word of God and I know I've tried and failed and tried and failed, but I want you to know that I'm not letting go of this word. This word today was for me. If that's you, I want you to come stand around this altar. No one will embarrass you. 
No one's going to ask you. And you're going to lead us in this song. You're going to lead us. I am believing. I am believing. I saw in my mind someone picking up their confidence that they threw down on the floor. You threw it down. Just, just pick it up. Just, God, I pick it up. I, I don't know why I threw it down, but I pick it up today. Glory to the Lord. Oh, God, open up the window that you showed me, Lord. Lord, let's do it. Open it, Lord. Open it, Lord. Open it, Lord. Hey. Would you look this way before we go home this morning? Oh, I've been waiting to finish with this last thing. It's like I wanted to get here. There is a scripture in the New Testament. It's tucked away. It's very small. And it's in the story of the sons of Sceva that they had seen the disciples casting devils out of demon-possessed people. And they made the statement. They say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out of this man. And the demons spoke from the demon-possessed man. They said, Jesus we know. Paul, we know, but who are you? And the demon-possessed man beat him, stripped the clothes off of him, run him out of town naked. I mean, just, just beat the brakes off of him. But in that passage, this demon said, Paul, we know. Think about it. Jesus, we know. And Paul, Paul, don't mess with Paul. What are they saying? Paul, get up out of the bed with his... Do you understand the beatings this man took? They threw stones into his head and he died. He would take his shirt off in church and say, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. And every time I come through something, I have more of a divine optimism today than I had the day before. That demon said, don't mess with Paul. Don't mess with Paul. And some of us think that our life is just chaos. It's up to fate. And the devil's having his way. You are developing a tenacity. A God optimism that says to the devil when he comes, he he has such power and he comes and knocks you to the ground and you stand up. And I'm being honest. Is that all you got today? Is that all you got today? Is that all you got? Did it hurt? Yes. 
Does it hurt? Yes. Does it get old? Yes. But I believe that God is going to have the final say and my life and worldview is divinely optimistic. Amen? Would you give the Lord a hand this morning? Sheila, Sheila. I know you don't like to be up front. Yeah, I know. I just want you to pray over us. For those of you new to our church, this is not a compliment. This is a fact. If it were not for this lady standing beside me, your pastor would have just quit and ran away. And she believed she'd be on the phone with me at 2.30 in the morning. And she said, are you any better? And I'm like, uh-uh. And she was like, God, watch. I am divinely optimistic for my pastor with no evidence, with no nothing, and just believed. And I just want you to pray over us. And I know you're believing for your own stuff, that we believe that God's going to have his way and say in this church and in our lives. Would you pray for us? Just hold it close to you. Thank you, Father God, that what you do speak and what you have spoken will come to pass. Lord, because when you say it, even though we don't see it yet, you're working behind the scenes. And God, we will see if we believe. Just like John said in Psalms 27, it says, In your word, uh, that we would have fainted unless we believe to see the goodness. And we do believe, Lord. We declare it today in our hearts and lives. You spoke the word to us in this message that you brought through our pastor, Lord. We grab hold of it, Lord. It is our strength. And, Lord, you're pouring in peace within our bones even, Lord, to strengthen us even as we take hold of that word and receive it, Lord. We walk around in your strength. You are our joy and our peace, God. In every situation, every dark situation that you call us to walk into, Lord, because, Lord, we're not walking away from it. We're walking into it just like Moses did. You told him to go into the dark cloud where you were. And, God, you called us to go in there, Lord, for your name's sake and for your kingdom's sake. And, Lord, you're doing business that's way beyond our little pea brain. And so, God, come. We are looking to the one who can. We watch and long for you even as even more than those that watch for the morning, Lord. And we know that you will show up and we will see because, Lord, you're the author and the finisher yes, God. of our salvation. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, God, for all that you've done already and all that you're yet to do because greater things, greater things are yet to yes, come. Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you. Good.